Welcome to the Women's Football Podcast, where we look at everything from the WSL to the National League and beyond. My name is Chess Warren, and this week we are joined by two debutantes on the pod. We have freelance women's football journalist Megan Garbutt and Abdullah Abdullah, the author and analyst of the women's game. Thank you both for coming on. Thank you, guys. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks for having me as well. Not at all. Really happy to have you here. Last midweek was a dramatic midweek on the international stage. It was heartbreak for Wales in the end, as it was extra time for them in Zurich, as Switzerland made it through to the World Cup qualifying playoff. It started so well when Rhiannon Roberts had put them ahead on 19 minutes. Mona Backman equalised right on half-time to swing the game back in the Swiss's favour. VAR helped out the Welsh a lot as Anna-Maria Chernogovic then missed a penalty before converting the rebound, only for that to be disallowed and Backman also had a goal ruled out. It looked like it was going to go to penalties, but Fabian Hum converted the winner right at the death to break the Welsh's hearts. Afterwards, a heartbroken Helen Ward said she would make a decision on her international future in the next few weeks. Megan... So close, yet so far for Wales. But huge progresses have been made, haven't they? Oh, yeah, massively. They've come so far. And I think, you know, they should be proud of how, how far they've come. It's not nice to go out, you know, in the way that they did. But credit to Switzerland for making it through. Definitely. And realistically, it probably wouldn't have been an automatic qualification either. So it's kind of it's kind of a bit easier, I think, because they would have, I'm, I think, points-wise, they would have had to have gone through to the inter- into country tournament um, in in January, February. Do you think that kind of softens the blow? Oh yeah, 100% definitely softens the blow with, you know, any nerves that would have come if they had to enter that. Definitely. On on to someone who did have um, direct qualification though. Ireland reached their first ever World Cup finals with a 1-0 win over Scotland at Hampden Park. Caroline Weir missed a penalty and with it missed a chance to give Scotland the lead. Amber Barrett, who plays her football in Germany with Potsdam, will be, have her name etched in the history books as it was her goal that saw the Irish through. What a night for Ireland, Megan. After all they've been through in the last couple of years with player strikes, the manager falling out with certain players, is really quite an achievement, isn't it, to get through to a World Cup final? Oh, absolutely incredible. And I think the Irish, is, they're just so passionate. You could see in all the interviews after the game. I'm an Arsenal fan and, you know, to see Katie McCabe get through, you know, I was over the moon and, you know, they've just sort of really come together when they've needed to after all that's happened over the years. So, yeah, I think they should be massively proud of themselves and so should, so were the teams across the world. For Scotland, though, their former midfielder, Leanne Christian, said that she fears if Scotland will get this close again for a while, she fears it isn't going to be the players coming through at, at the moment. It's a real shame that the Scottish FA isn't allowing them to kind of seize the chance because they do they do have strong players. What do you think the issue is there for Scotland? I don't know, really. I think, obviously, as you said, that they've got those strong players. Maybe just maybe they don't click as well as they should be doing under the manager. And maybe that's what's lacking in them getting to a major tournament. On to this weekend, and it was back to domestic action. We're going to be talking about trouble at Brighton as they suffer their second 4-0 loss of the season, Arsenal's slim win away at Reading, and a plethora of missed penalties. But first, we should kick you off with the Saturday fixture, the Claret Derby. Aston Villa versus West Ham. Now, if you're a casual WSL fan, you may have thought this fixture would have been a bit uneventful, but this was as far from the truth than I think that it, we could potentially say that it could be. Villa had something to prove. 
they've actually had the best start of any WSL side this season across the WSL and the Conti Cup, and they wanted to keep on their winning streak. West Ham went 2-0 up in the first half with goals from new signing Hayashi and captain Brian Stottier. In the second half, Aston Villa were awarded a penalty and Lehman stepped up to take it, despite the frustrations of manager Carl Award, who protested that Rachel Daly was the designated penalty taker. Lehman then missed the penalty. Daly then scored with an assist from Daly soon after for Villa, making it 2-1. But the game ended, though, with Sissoko being sent off due to an altercation with Villa player Sarah Mailing, where after being shoved several times by Mailing, she appears to punch her in the face. West Ham manager Paul Koncheski was also sent off in the aftermath of this. What an eventful game. Meg, did West Ham deserve to win in the end? I was there and, you know, West Ham had a brilliant start, you know, getting two goals very early on against a really threatening Villa side. I thought, you know, this is going to turn out to be a very interesting game. But then from then on, Villa pretty much dominated the game in terms of possession, in terms of chances. And, you know, obviously if Lehman did convert that penalty and obviously Darley's goal, they would have at least got a draw out of it, which is a real shame because in terms of the quality of the football, I think they did deserve a result out of that. But did I expect that ending? Of course I didn't. I I was in total shock. I don't think I've ever seen anything like that in the WSL. And I spoke to both Carla Ward and Paul Koncheski afterwards. And to be fair, they were both sort of not happy to talk about it, but they obviously both wanted to get across what they thought of the situation and Carla Ward said obviously that is, it, it wasn't acceptable what Sissoko did and I think if people have seen what happened then you would say the same and Paul Koncheski did say that obviously um, Mailing sort of shoved her and stuff which yes she did but she didn't sort of go in and punch or whack her whatever happened but he said his sending off was maybe a bit harsh because the Villa bench was sort of you know saying stuff to Sissoko as she was walking out and he just said I was sticking up for my player maybe I shouldn't have got sent off but yeah a a very eventful day on Saturday. So Sissoko's now received the most red cards of any player in WSL history but the previous ones have all been for late challenges they've not been for aggressive conduct. Do you think realistically it's fair that she's the only one to receive a card when she was initially shoved by mailing? Abdullah, what do you think? I don't know. I mean, I I feel like there's a lot of heat on Sissoko, and rightly so. Obviously, she went in and, and there was there was there was blows thrown, which which I don't disagree with, but I felt like mailing did retaliate as well equally in that exchange. So I, I thought if you're gonna send off one person for violent conduct, I I did think mailing did also contribute to that and also did, you know, retaliate to that. So I'm being really honest. I think both of them should have received a red card. So I I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't dispute that, but um, you know, it is what it is. You can't be doing that in general anyway, but uh, Hey, listen, it makes, it makes for a fun game for all of us to watch if, if, you know, if we're we're watching it from, from afar, but no, I think, uh, I think both players should have seen red and, and, and been off. What's there to be said though, about Lehman taking the penalty that she wasn't meant to take. Ward said that she'd spoken to the player about the incident afterwards, but how does this reflect on internal management of Villa? I thought this was a really interesting kind of insight because Ward seemed to be very angry in in kind of post-match analysis of this incident. Meg, what do you think? I don't know because, yeah, she that's what she said to us. She was like, I don't know why Lehman took the ball off daily. Daily is that designated penalty taker and everyone in the club knows that. 
I don't know if Layman, I don't know. I don't know whether she had the thought in her mind that, you know, I deserve to take this penalty or something like that. But um, I was speaking to someone and when the players walked out to, you know, take pictures and speak to the fans, Layman was sort of stood at the back, walking out quite solemnly and maybe Carla had given her a speaking to and she wasn't happy. But if you're not the designated penalty taker and you do that, then you're going to have a talking to. I mean, she is a West Ham player, but was Mackenzie Arnold there when she was playing at West Ham? Because I don't really think it would have changed anything. Abdullah, what do you think? No, I, I don't think so. I think I think I mean you can goalkeepers will will, will remember patterns and stuff, and obviously they, they train for that every week. But then it, at the end of the day, it's a 50-50 chance you're going to save it. You're not going to save it. And I think if your best penalty taker is there, you I mean unless you're an equally as good penalty taker, I don't think you need to be cutting in the line. And especially with the game and in, in, in the balance, you know, and and obviously. You know, with the scoreline the way it was, I think, you know, I, I'm just surprised that Daly didn't just go back up and take it back. I mean, that's the kind of personality she is. And, you know, I would have felt that that's, that's Daly's thing going, I'm the penalty taker, I'm going to take this, you know, get out of here. You know, even if it causes a little bit of a of a thing, but you now it's very, very surprising that it happened. And uh, I, I'm pretty sure we won't be seeing that again. On to United then. Their dominant home run continues as they thumped Brighton 4-0 at home. Alatoon scored twice in the first half with a third from Golton to make it three before the break. And Leon opened her account for United by putting away a fourth in the 78th minute. Now, does this game show that United can see out fixtures without a reliance on the combination of Toon and Russo? Abdullah, what do you think? Yeah, I've been really impressed with United this season. Actually, I, you know, I, I thought when they, you know, the recruitment that they did over the, the summer, I think was good. They picked up obviously Nikita Paris, Adriana Leon, Maya Letizia, and I thought all three of them were pretty shrewd and, and smart pickups, especially with Maya Letizia coming in. Though I didn't think that she'd be playing at centre back uh, for, for one, but it, it's great to see. I mean, the fact that they're improving and getting big score lines. I mean, that's another win for them this. Um, you know, this this season and then they're doing it without the combination of the two. And I think that's just a scary proposition for, for everyone else because if two of United's best players aren't playing, you know, all the time now and they're still getting those sort of results with those sort of performances, there is no there's no doubt in my mind that United are, are have already reached or reaching another level uh, in their development. And I think this is the this is where they need to go because who knows, maybe Russo and Toon both leave next summer, right? Because there'll be plenty of interest. I think Russo's out of a contract in a year and hasn't signed a new one yet. So, um, yeah, if, if, if they, if they, if they want to see what life is like without them, then this is, this is not a bad shout. And I think um, United will, will shock a few, pe- few big teams come you know, towards the end of the season. Was Brighton ever really going to get anything from this fixture, though? Because I, I, right, I saw a tweet saying the defence looked like they were playing like they couldn't be bothered. Or... I mean, they did have a few good strikes on goal. Mary Oaks was used in this fixture. Do you think the scoreline was a bit too generous for United or were they just never really going to make anything from it, Brighton? I think Brighton have been as good as they were last season. I think last season they were, uh, at least towards the beginning, they were they, they were good. They were they were solid defensively. They had a they had a game plan, but just this season they just don't look as, they go, as they have them in the last 18 months. And, yeah, I don't think they were coming back from that at all. It just looked very, um, very. Uh, I don't know. Two, two yards, two yards, too slower than 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 United, and just I don't know. I don't know what's going on with them. Maybe they need a little bit of freshing up. But um, 
no, I, I didn't think. I think United had that game in 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 their pocket, and I think they were they were always going to score a couple of goals once um, once they got the first one. But yeah, no, I thought I thought United did really well, and that isn't to take away from the performance overall. They also put four past the Foxes in a convincing victory. It was a real win for them to grind out as they went one nil up through Shaw in the 29th minute, but it remained as such until the 72nd minute when the floodgates began to open. Hemp scored, then Shaw bagged a second, and on her City debut, Hasegawa topped off the fixture with a goal. Signed, sealed, delivered, three points. Uh, City seemed to be settling into their new look side, but this was never going to be particularly a tricky one. Is it promising that they can make these games look convincing with this new side, Meg? I think, as you said, Leicester aren't, you know, anything special. They struggled last season, and I'm sure they'll struggle again this season, but for Man City to get a 4-0 win, it's definitely encouraging. Um, can they do that against the likes of Arsenal, Chelsea, Man U? We'll have to see. Um, but I think there was some great individual performances. Lauren Hemp, obviously, has a goal We're getting her first goal. I think she's a right signing for them. And Esme Morgan as well. She was really solid defensively and made a really important interception to deny them getting on getting a goal. So... Yeah, it's it's a convincing performance, but I think you need to see how they fare against the more dangerous sides to see if their squad can do what they've done for the past few seasons. A team that also scored four points, albeit not all of them in the right net, was Chelsea in their away fixture to Everton. The London Blues were without their manager and won't be for the foreseeable future. Get well soon, Emma Hayes. Everyone here at the pod wishes you the speediest of recoveries. But they still managed to grind out a 3-1 win. Harder pushed them ahead in the first half. Buchanan, who's still kind of finding her feet in the WSL, she scuffed a deflected ball into her own net. But then Harder converted a penalty and Charles seemed sealed the game with a lovely solo goal. Abdullah, a shame for Everton that they weren't able to kind of secure this fixture, especially as it was at home. Do you think they stood a chance against the former champions? Actually, if we're going if we're going by the first half performance, I thought Everton did really, really well. They they've created a lot of chances. I thought Jess Park was was sensational up against Magdalena Eriksson. I thought you know that was that was a huge problem for Chelsea, especially in that first half. And I think if you know if they, if they had taken a couple of the chances that came their way. I think we're talking about a completely different story. I don't think Chelsea were entirely convincing um, in the game overall, but I think they ended up showing the champions resolve and, and coming back and, and winning it. And I think it's a combination of Chelsea coming in with an, or yet again, another new system going into the season, a couple of new players being bedded in, like you said, Buchanan hasn't had the best start coming from, coming from a free transfer from Leon. Um, and she's still finding her feet. And I think the problem of trying to fit Millie Bright, um, Magdalena Eriksson, and Buchanan all in the same team, alongside having Eva who's another new new addition to that team, it's it's. I think that defense is still settling, and I think teams are trying to to capitalize on that. And I, th- I think uh, I think Everton will be disappointed overall, but uh, I think it's positive for Everton. And, and I think Chelsea just showed champions resolve. They got three points. They came away with 3-1. And Penela Harder showed her class after coming in for her first appearance of the season. It's nice to see Harder flexing her muscles, isn't it, in this game? She seems to be a player that Chelsea can rely on when other strikers like aren't quite hitting the mark. Meg, do you think that's true? Yeah, 100%. I mean, when you've got the likes of Kerr and Kirby, who 
are going to get so many goals, maybe when they're not up to scratch or when they're injured or whatever, you've got so many players like Harder in that Chelsea team who will always pop up with goals when you need them to. And I think that's why Chelsea is so dangerous and have been the past three or four seasons and winning the title. Tottenham went on to win their first game of the season as they beat newly promoted Liverpool 1-0. Celine Bizet's cross was tipped in by Liverpool's Fahi. Tottenham's greatest enemy for this fixture was the woodwork as both Spence and Neville hit it to deny them a greater lead. Hmm. Now, Tottenham signed players specifically to score a number of goals and they're still only grinding out 1-0 wins. How do you think Skinner can improve this? Do you think it's just target practice, Abdullah? I think so. Um, I, I, I thought, you know, I, 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 when I saw their when I saw their recruitment over the summer, I thought, right, this is these are some some really class players that I think a lot of other top teams might have wanted to go and get first. I mean, you look at someone like Celine Bizet Ilhosoy. She came from PSG, has been touted as one of the next big things. So there is there's there's a lot of um, potential then. And you look at someone like Nikola. I'm gonna butcher this name, but Nikola Karsuska, the the Polish striker. I think she's another one who is has been fantastic and was in France just for her move here. But I think I think it's gonna take time. I think it's gonna take time for the team to settle in, get into a system, and really start playing the football. That's going to want because when you have a couple of new forwards coming in, it can it can take time. If someone like Buchanan that we just talked about can struggle in a Chelsea defense and has come from a Lyon team that's won several Champions League and League you know League One titles, then I don't doubt that you know other players from you know from from the same league coming in with slightly less experience will will take time to settle and not as experienced. So I think I think it'll be it'll take some time for Tottenham. I, I do think they're 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 a good team and I think. Um, they're just they're, they're in for a shot for kind of competing in that top four spot in the WSL. I think this may have been a slight reminder for Liverpool, though, that there's a difference in levels between them and the top WSL clubs, especially with their shock win against Chelsea at the start of the season. Where do you think they can build from this fixture? Um, I think, obviously, beating Chelsea, you know, anyone's going to be so happy with that. And obviously, there were three penalties in that game. And so to go on from that and build from that is going to be tricky because you'll think, oh, we've beaten Chelsea. We can, you know, we can go on and sort of try and beat any team in the league. But they need to realise that, you know, every game's not going to go their way and they need to sort of sort of keep their heads level, really, in terms of every fixture they go into, take it a game at a time and sort of plan for each game and what each team's going to bring to them. And I think that's how they'll sort of get points on the board, taking it a game at a time. And for the final WSL fixture of the week, Arsenal headed to the Select Car Leasing Stadium to see if they could do it on a rainy Sunday night in Reading. And they could, but only just. Blackstone has put the Gunners ahead in the 30th minute. and Both keepers were heavily involved in this game as a penalty by Kim Little was saved by WSL debutante Jackie Burns and Arsenal keeper Zinsberger picked up player of the match. If Arsenal want to finally end their silverware drought, these are the games where they must do it. Do you think that this was shown effectively here? Meg, what do you think? Yes, I mean, obviously with games like Brighton being the opening game of the season for Arsenal, we knew Zinsberger wasn't really going to be tested. And in the game against Spurs, she wasn't massively tested. 
And to be fair, I didn't think in this game against Reading she would have been massively tested, but I was completely wrong. And she was tested a lot, obviously getting player of the match. And I think when you have to put yourself under that much pressure against teams that you may not be expecting to come at you so much, they are the games that you need to win and that will you know, give you the confidence to go into every game sort of with the mindset that even if you don't play your best football, if you defend well and if you've got, you know, a really good keeper in the sticks, you can get those results out of tricky situations. Although it was a loss for them, do you think there are going to be positives to take for Kelly Chambers and her side from this matchup against Arsenal? I don't know. I think it's one of those games where when you when you look at it, you go, right, can you really? I mean, it's one of those, it's a free hit, right? If they win, it's it's a bonus three points. If they draw, great, another bonus. But if they lose it, it was almost expected. And I think usually you'd look at the scoreline and look at the overall performance of the game and, and say, right, you know, how could they have done well? Could they have done better? And admittedly, admittedly, while I didn't watch the full 90 minutes, I, I mean, if you just look at the scoreline alone, you'd pretty much say that, look, they lost 4-0, they conceded four goals. It wasn't really, the, you know, wouldn't have been the greatest performance ever. And I think we need to judge Reading more based on the games that they play against teams around them. So the Brightons, the Leicesters, and and and, and things. I think I think they Reading play Leicester in, in a couple of weeks, which I think for that end of the table for both teams is going to be a super important game. And whoever wins that will probably can say that, all right, we're not the worst team in the league. The other team is because probably those are the two teams that are fighting to, to stay up. But um, I think, I think, I think all the teams have a have quality and on their day can do well. Um, but it's just, it's just a matter of taking the points when they can take it. And if they do get a Liverpool, like Liverpool beat Chelsea in the first day, which I think was, 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 was a bit lucky as well. Um, because considering you look at Liverpool's results, that's the only three points that they have, the one that beat against Chelsea. So you've got to look at it and go, right, can they, you know, can they out, they just have to outdo the people around them, whether they lose these, their, their season is not going to be defined on, uh, on the Arsenal, Chelsea and Manchester City games. It's going to be on the ones against Brighton and, and, and Leicester City. So, yeah, I, I think, I think just move on, see the next game and see how they go over there. In the championship, Bristol City are three points clear at the top after a three-run win away at Sheffield United. The informed Shania Hales took her tally to four goals in three games after her brace either side of half-time, coupled with Abby Harrison adding a third, meant the Vixens are flying high. In second place on goal difference, it's London City, who have also had a comfortable away win, this time at bottom of the table, Coventry United. Summer signing from Birmingham, Sarah Ewans was the star of the show as her hat-trick, along with a goal from Atlanta Primus, had them 4-0 up at half-time. Even though they eased off in the second half, they did get another through Grace Neville. They leapfrogged Charlton, who had come from two goals down to rescue a point at home to Backburn Rovers. Donnelly's team raced into a two-goal lead in the first half, thanks to goals from Millie Chandarana and Saffron Jordan. Emily Simpkins halved the deficit five minutes into the second half, and Melissa Johnson bagged the equaliser 20 minutes from the end. Megan, although Bristol are at the top at the minute, it doesn't look like one team is going to run with it away with it this season, does it? No, I mean, as you just said, London City Lionesses are just, you know, I know it's Coventry and they're, you know, at the bottom, but to score five goals against any team is going to give someone massive confidence. And for Sarah Ewans, who left Birmingham, who got relegated from the WSL, for her to get a hat trick, she's just going to have that confidence to keep scoring and to keep scoring. 
and you know Bristol aren't going to run away with it they shouldn't have that mindset that they're going to especially at this stage in the season so early on then also Charlton obviously they did well to equalize against Blackburn with Blackburn being 2-0 up I think that would have been a really good result if Blackburn could have got the three points but you know Charlton equalizing shows that they've also got it in them so it's all to play for still at the minute. Crystal Palace stay fourth despite a surprise defeat at home to Sunderland. Emily Scar and Katie Watson with goals for Mel Rea's side. Now, there are a trio of teams on seven points. Sheffield United, who we've mentioned already, Durham and Birmingham. Birmingham don't play until Monday evening away at Southampton, but Durham came from behind to beat Lewis up in the northeast. Emily Craft had put the Sussex side ahead in the first half from the penalty spot, but Beth Heppel equalised from the penalty spot 18 minutes from time before a dramatic lace winner from Sarah Robson in the seventh minute of stoppage time saw them grab all three points. Megan, if you've got one team to watch in the championship this season, who would it be? That's a very, very, very tricky question. (laughs) Um, But as you've just said, Durham got that, you know, late winner. I think Durham are very strong this season. I think they've recruited well over the summer. I think they're definitely ones to watch. But also Crystal Palace, obviously, they've just lost against Sunderland. But, you know, they're also a force to be reckoned with. So they're my two. Moving on to the National League then. Last Wednesday saw the Black Country Derby as Wolves hosted West Brom at AFC Telford's New Bucks Head. Now, Megan, a little birdie tells me that you do a little bit of media for Wolves. So how did the night go for them in general? Well, I mean, for Wolves women... That is obviously their biggest game of the season. And we did so much promo before the game. You know, they were really big on getting so much content out. I did so many interviews with the manager, the players, especially like the Wolves fans within the squad. And, you know, it was it was such a good build up to what ended up being such a great occasion. And to go one nil down against your local rivals is not what you want at all. It was it was an even game to begin with. And to go 1-0 down to a set piece, which is what Wolves pride themselves on, you know, defending so well. You know, it, it was a bit of a blow. And I did think, right, you know, we've got to get a goal before half time, And we did. Anamorphic converted a penalty after a handball in the box. And then Maka said to me after the game, he said that he knew that the girls could go on and win it after equalising towards the break. And then Jade Cross gets an early goal in the second half. And then Amber Hughes gets her ninth of the season late on. And yeah, everyone's so happy. It was a crowd of just over 800. I know Maka spoke about he wanted to break that 1,000 barrier, which unfortunately he didn't, but he nearly did. To have 800 at AFC, at AFC Telford, they've, you know, they've been so accommodating. It's such a great facility for Wolves women to have at their disposal. And yeah. Hopefully that win is going to really push them to go on and, you know, continue their winning streak after losing their first game of the season to Burnley a few weeks ago. Meg, if you were new to the National League, who would you keep an eye out for? Obviously, I would be biased and say Wolves, but I think the other teams that are up there this season, obviously Wolves lost to Burnley and Burnley are definitely up there this season. They've recruited really well. They've got a manager who managed Leicester in the WSL, so he knows what it's all about. And Nottingham Forest are also up there this season as well. They've recruited really well. So they're the three that I think are sort of in it for the title this season. As we like to do every now and again, 
we cast our eyes to what's happening over in Europe and leagues elsewhere. And as Abdullah is here, we know you like to keep an eye on League 1. And after this weekend, it's expected at the top. Lyon continued their 100% start to the season with a 3-1 win over Bordeaux. Lindsay Horan, Wendy Renard and Melvin Mallard, who scored at both ends in this fixture, scored the goals. PSG beat Dijon 3-1 at home thanks to Lika Martins, Grace Gioro and Ramona Backman, and they remain at two points behind Lyon. Abdullah, is it going to be a two-horse race again this season? I think so. I, I don't think you can put it past Lyon and, and PSG to, to run away with the league. There's there's always one or two teams in in D1 that at the start will... will Will show a little bit of promise because of the early games, and then once again, that's Paris FC this season. But I mean, ultimately, to keep the consistency and the pace of the top two teams in France is extremely difficult. You just need to look at the squads that Lyon and PSG have, um, just just to kind of see the amount of rotation that they can make and players that they can rest uh, against. You know, some of the other teams in the league. You know, I, I think I don't think this is. The, I think the league is improving. I think teams like Paris, uh, Bordeaux. And Flurry, especially this season, I think they're definitely improving year on year. But I still think there's a little bit of time before we start seeing uh, a third or fourth team challenge for the title. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we can't poke fingers here in the WSL. We've we've seen the the league being a, almost a one horse race um, for the past couple of years, anyway, with Chelsea's uh, domination of the WSL. But it's it's interesting that you mentioned Paris FC there because um, it's really interesting keeping an eye on on them as they're them being the city rival of PSG. They had a great season last season, and despite they only drew again this weekend 2-2 to Rams, they've started well, haven't they? Do you think they're going to carry on that for the rest of the season? Yeah, definitely. I mean, they've got three wins in the first five games and two draws. They haven't lost yet, which I think is 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 a great result. I mean, the game they have lost is the you know the final qualifying round of the Champions League. They lost on penalties to Roma. So if you can say they haven't actually lost anything in in in, in normal time, but I I think I think they're a good, they're a good team. I think they've got a really good squad. Um, a couple of players in there that actually did decently well. Uh, and a couple of them that even start for the national team and during the Euros. I mean, you have Olumeta Saar, um, Clara Matteo, who are two really, really good uh, up-and-coming players. Uh, Matteo, I think, is one that's probably on the verge of, um, you know, uh, bursting onto the scene. And then you've got, you know, you've got another young player in, in, in Bordeaux who's who's already got uh, a couple of goals this season. So, and then they've got the experience head in Gaetan Sini, who, who, you know, who was part of the national team for a long, long time and only went out before. So, They've got some players in there that I think could could really, you know, that gives them a really good core uh, team. And uh, I think once again, they'll be the favorites to, to clinch that third place spot that, that usually is, is kind of up for grabs. But I think they're really making a good case to consistently be that team who will keep third place and make it their own. So the Ballon d'Or winners are coming out tonight. We're recording this on Monday. Hopefully you might be listening to the pod before before it's even been announced. Um, there's a lot of kind of top contenders. You're super involved with um, Ligue 1, Abdullah. Wendy Renard is one of those people that have kind of been tipped to the top. Do you think she'll she'll win this year or do you think we'll see another year of when, of Alexia Puteas? So I'm going to, I have two answers. I have an answer that coming from the heart and a hands coming from my head. My head's saying that Pateas is going to win it because I think that's, you know, her popularity and the way she's been playing and, you know, the way she's been dominating and being part of this Barcelona team in the last year or so has been absolutely dominant. Um, but if I'm being honest, my own personal opinion is that I think 
Mindy Renard should probably get the nod, um, mainly because she won the Champions League. She won she won D1, the uh, Liga, and that also on the back of taking it back from PSG, had a really good season and got to the semi-final of the Euros. I mean, if there's one thing out of all the contenders that are there, it's that Renard actually went far in all three major almost all three major tournaments of of the season including the international tournament and i mean Mateus unfortunately didn't play at all in the euros and oh, and she didn't win the champions league so i mean if you're looking at based on performances i think i think renard was just um unbelievably important for the team you know especially at a time when it was expected that barcelona would go back and retain the champions league title but you know the way they came up, put a defensive masterclass on in the final, Leon. That you know, I think I think Renard, after everything she's done, and especially the, the consistency she's had season over season, I think probably w- would deserve to to win it for me. Meg, who do you think's gonna clinch the trophy this evening? And if you say Beth Mead, it's because you're biased because you're an Arsenal fan. Yes, that. W- <laughs> if if I was going from my heart, it would obviously be Beth Mead. But I mean, Abdullah's just given a great reason as to why Wendy Renard you know, should be tipped for it. I've not really watched her until the Euros and I thought, wow, you know, what a player she is, what what a defensive rock at the back she is and a proper leader as well. And I thought, you know, why not? I mean, I, d- I don't think Alexia Patelis should purely because, you know, she, I know it wasn't her own fault that she, you know, wasn't playing with Spain in the Euros, but that's obviously a mass- massive part of the Ballon d'Or, you know, all the international competitions. And I think Wendy Renard, you know, does deserve it. So, yes, I agree. (laughs) Thank you very much for both of you coming on today. We're going to be back next week to review the action and bring you the latest news from the women's game. Abdullah, Meg, where can we find you on social media? Uh, Twitter is where I'm mainly on, Megan Garber 03. I sort of post all my articles that I do. I write quite a bit for FAWSL full time. Um, I do Wolves women's social media so feel free to check that out because that's all me and yeah pretty much I always put my opinions on Arsenal and Arsenal women and I'm also a Grimsby fan so I also put my opinions on my Twitter there. Awesome and Abdullah where can we find you? Uh, Yeah I'm also mainly hanging around on Twitter just writing and doing stuff so my my handle is at K-U-N-A-B-D I got my own Substack. I post my analysis, a lot of analysis and tactical work there, and uh, usually just talking about Champions League and WSL and 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 stuff on Leon. So that's where you'll find me. Also, as always, you can find us on Twitter at twfp1 and on Instagram at the Women's Football Podcast. Thank you very much, everyone. Have a lovely week. <laughs> <laughs>